From Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal, and this is Next Round, a VinePair podcast conversation. We're bringing you these conversations between our regular podcast episodes in order to examine how we move forward as a drinks business following the COVID-19 crisis. Today, I'm talking with Tom Wark. He's the executive director of the National Association of Wine Retailers. Tom, thanks so much for your time. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Zach. Yeah, our pleasure as well. Uh, the subject that I am super uh, interested in in particular, so uh, I'm, I'm really glad we were able to arrange this interview. Let, let's start with uh, some basics. What does the National Association of Wine Retailers do? Yeah, so NAWR is a national association of wine retailers. Our, primar- our members are primarily smaller, independent fine wine retailers that specialize in in more high-end wines. Uh, so it's, the, it's all the players that you would think um, of in that context, um, the KNLs and the Zackies and um, you know, some of the Washington and Illinois and California and New York and New Jersey retailers. What they all have in common is that they sell wine online and they ship wine interstate. Um, so, uh, so NEWR is very, very interested in leveling the playing field for wine retailers, all wine retailers, brick and mortar online wine clubs, wine auction houses, leveling the playing field so that consumers and retailers can do business together and consumers can receive the wines that they want to buy from out-of-state sources. So, okay, let's 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 unpack this a little bit more. So what is the kind of current landscape for your average wine retailer, whether they're brick and mortar or online? And obviously, you know, every state has different laws, which is part of the problem here, frankly. Um, but but as far as these these uh, these members that you've discussed, you know, what is it like if you are a wine retailer who who wants to sell and ship wine to an out of state customer? Sure. So, wine retailers like wine like wineries um, uh, can ship to those states that have explicitly passed laws to allow um, out of state. Um, licensees to ship wine. So wineries, I think there are 45, maybe 46 states now that have passed laws to allow out-of-state wineries to ship wine into the state under a variety of circumstances. Only 16 states, including the District of Columbia, have passed laws that allow out-of-state retailers to ship wine in. So it's a fairly small selection um, of states that actually have legalized shipments from out-of-state retailers. And we're talking about the likes of California, Alaska, Oregon, New Mexico, um, who else? Louisiana, Virginia, West Virginia, New Hampshire, uh, District of Columbia, Florida, um, and maybe a few others. But it's only 16. And among those states that don't allow it are Illinois and Texas and New York and Washington State and Massachusetts. Some fairly important um, states for commerce. Is there... Uh, is there anything that unites those 16 states in the District of Columbia politically? Like, like it, is, it seems like a pretty random assortment of of states. You know, I mean, obviously, some of these laws uh, may date back, you know, before our kind of current political realities. But but it doesn't seem like there's a something that would track with, you know, whether you're more of a red state or a blue state in these laws. You know, interesting. The, the political issue of direct consumer shipping is not partisan in any way whatsoever. It's not about red or about about blue states. It's not about conservative or liberal. And this is why there's really nothing that, um, that all of these states allow retailer shipping have in common. There's very little that they have in common. And these states have come to allowing retailer shipping in a variety of different ways. So for example, 
last year, um, after three years of lobbying, Connecticut finally passed a retailer direct shipping law. On the other hand, um, last or two years ago, Florida was forced to open up its um, its borders for retailer shipping into the state due to a lawsuit. Um, so the states get there in a variety of different ways. Some of them have been there for a long time. Some of them have actually um, opened up fairly recently. There's very little of it um, in common with those states that um, allow retailer shipping. Among those states that don't allow retailer shipping, what we find often is that the, uh, the wholesaler lobby in those states are relatively strong. And, and they, that makes sense in some, or, or maybe you can explain a little bit why uh, wholesalers might be at odds with retailers in this regard. That's an interesting question, and it's an interesting subject, too. You would think that wholesalers would have no issue with retailer shipping. After all, retailers have obtained the vast amount of their inventory from wholesalers in the state where they where they reside. And so um, wholesalers don't really lose anything as a result of um, wine being shipped. But here's what I think is, is going on here, and I've understood this now for a good decade and a half or two decades the three-tier system uh, depends on the state putting the wholesaler in the middle and mandating the use of a wholesaler. So retailers, let's just call it Illinois, retailers in Illinois by law must buy their wine from in-state wholesalers. Um, uh, Producers, wineries, um, brewers, distillers, in order for those entities to sell in Illinois, they must sell to the wholesaler. And this is all written down in law. They don't choose to, they must. So, and this is all due to the strict three-tier system. When the three-tier system becomes challenged, when it is challenged, and when the mandates for its use um, are crippled in any way, this puts in jeopardy the wholesaler's, you know, essential stranglehold on the market. So in 2005, for example, we had a Supreme Court decision that said, States may not discriminate against out-of-state wineries. If they're going to allow, if a state's going to allow its own wineries to ship to its residents, it has to allow out-of-state wineries to do the same thing. At the time, everyone thought, oh, well, this is great. This will allow out-of-state wineries and retailers um, to ship interstate because it didn't make any sense at the time that that ruling would only apply to wineries. But in fact, immediately wholesalers began arguing that that non-discrimination principle that was announced by the Supreme Court only applied to to producers and not to retailers. Well, it took many, many years, but finally we had a Supreme Court decision last year in the Tennessee Wine v. Thomas case. Now, that Supreme Court case wasn't about retailer shipping, but it was about retailers. And in that decision, in that Supreme Court decision, the court explicitly said that, yes, the non-discrimination principles of Granholm also apply to retailers. And so that was a big deal for retailers. And that's why following that, a number of states were actually sued and and asked to open up their states to retailer shipping. And they simply haven't done it. And, um, and so now as a result, we have nine lawsuits in nine different states that are challenging discriminatory laws. And we have one case, which is actually on appeal to the Supreme Court, and we're waiting to hear if that court will take this case. And we'll know probably in mid-October whether or not they'll take that case. And it will be specifically about wine retailer shipping um, if they do take it. Is there a reason that you haven't filed lawsuits in the 
35 states that don't allow it right now? Is it just a matter of resources or, or are there something about these nine specific states that you think makes it more, these lawsuits more viable than in other states? Well, it is strategic. And first of all, yes, it is resources. The, the cost of bringing a case to, all the way to the Supreme Court is enormous, absolutely enormous. Um, so we have to marshal our, our resources and point them in the direction where we can afford to. However, the the states where lawsuits have been filed, um, that's that's very strategic. We're looking to um, go after different circuit court. Um, there are, I think there are 10 different circuit courts in the United States, which is, um, the court, which is above the federal district court, the state district court and the sixth circuit court of appeals, for example, um, governs law in Michigan, Ohio, and Tennessee. So we filed in Michigan that covers the sixth circuit. And then we filed in New Jersey that covers the second circuit or the first circuit, et cetera, et cetera. So we have cases in a variety of different circuits because we want to influence law in those different circuits in order to impact the law in states that are covered by those circuit courts. So in that respect, um, the lawsuits have been strategic, but it's a very, very slow process. It's a very, very expensive process. And our opponents in those cases, not only are the states, but in every case, the wholesalers bring uh, marshal their resources and um, and we're going up against them um, in court also. And I know that, uh, you know, to some extent, you, you, I'm going to ask you to, to sort of uh, argue, you know, take the devil's advocate side. But what is the wholesaler argument? You know, not the it's going to ruin our business model, because I don't think that's necessarily a compelling argument. Well, maybe it's a compelling argument for some, you know, politicians. But but generally speaking, what are the what are the rationales given to oppose uh, interstate shipping from retailers? Well, first of all, um the, the argument that it would ruin our business model is not a good legal argument. Um, that would be a very bad legal argument, despite it being the truth of the matter. And so what the wholesaler is going to argue is that the states, um, using their power under the 21st Amendment, have the right um, to, um, to advance legitimate state interests. And so, for example, a legitimate state interest might be being able to efficiently collect taxes, or it might be to um, promote temperance. And the way the law works is if a state can advance an interest and show that there's no other non-discriminatory way to advance that interest, then their discriminatory law might survive. And so that's the argument that they're making, that um, a state can't efficiently regulate, you know, 300,000 retailers across the country. Um, a state can't um, efficiently collect taxes from all these um retailers across the country who might begin to ship in. This is not a very good argument, though, because the fact of the matter is they can efficiently collect taxes and they can efficiently regulate out-of-state retailers. And the way we know this is in those states where both out-of-state retailers and out-of-state wineries can ship, it's the wineries who tend to obtain upwards of 70% of all the shipping permits issued by that state, where Retailers only obtain about 30%. And the reason that's true is almost every winery has direct consumer shipping as a uh, part of its, as an important part of its business strategy, whereas only a very tiny percent of retailers across the country have direct consumer shipping as an important part of their business strategy. Um, and we show all this, you know, in, um, in our depositions and in the, in the fact finding that goes along with these with these cases. Um, so 
the the state and the wholesalers are essentially making the argument that the state cannot um, regulate alcohol the way the 21st Amendment allows it to if out-of-state retailers are allowed to ship into the state. It seems to me that tax revenue collection is also kind of – it's silly to, to make an argument on that basis because presumably – People in these states can order like anything else online, and there's no question about whether the state is able to collect the relevant taxes. Is it just because alcohol often almost always has additional taxes levied on it that that there's this even line of reasoning? Because these people aren't arguing that like Amazon shouldn't be allowed to ship to Illinois, I assume. The only reason they're arguing that um, out-of-state re- wine retailers may not ship into the state is because of the 21st Amendment that gives the state considerable power for regulating um, regulating alcohol. Um, and the sale and distribution of alcohol. People would laugh if any state suggested that Amazon can't ship in or another shoe company can't ship in or a a clothing company can't ship in. It would be absurd. It would be a straight violation of the Commerce Clause. But where alcohol is concerned, it's not just it's not the taxes um, that is the big worry. It's the state's power to regulate this particular product. The amount of taxes involved in alcohol sales are enormous. There was a time in this country where tariffs and um, excise taxes on alcohol were the primary ways of funding a state government. Those days are largely over, although alcohol taxes still represent a considerable amount um, of any given state's budget. So, But the fact of the matter is it's extraordinarily easy to collect taxes. You simply issue a license to out-of-state retailers. As a condition of that license, the out-of-state retailer has to remit the sales tax to the state. You can monitor that and, and um, and by, as a result of that out-of-state retailer having a permit issued by the state that they're shipping to, that state then has legal jurisdiction over that out-of-state retailer. And that's when that's when they start to have some real power over that out-of-state retailer when they have legal jurisdiction. So I have a I have a sort of uh, adjacent question or, or, or topic that I'm interested in. So so one of the reasons why I'm particularly interested in seeing these uh, out-of-state shipping laws loosened is that, you know, um, I, I certainly understand that for for certain wine retailers who, who might have a large-ish direct-to-consumer business or feel like they could grow theirs either because they're well-known wine shops, they get, you know, they source particularly um, hard-to-find wines, et cetera. But, but I think that, you know, from the consumer standpoint, one of the real issues in this country is a really uneven access to wine for for consumers. And if you happen to be in a state that has, you know, either a control state or you're in a uh, a state that just doesn't, for whatever reason, um, get allocations from distributors. Again, this is a whole other thing we can talk about uh, some other episode, probably. I get what's in it for retailers. What's in it for consumers? Yeah, so there are literally hundreds of thousands of wines available to consumers across the United States. Those include not merely um, those current release wines, but there are literally hundreds of thousands of back vintages. Maybe they're one, two, three vintages um, out. In addition to that, you have option houses. Um, so there are hundreds of thousands of wines available to consumers in the United States. But in any given state, if the wholesalers in that state are doing a really good job of bringing in a, a wide diversity of wines, they might be offering retailers 20% of the wines that are available nationally. That is to say, consumers in those states, if they only purchase from in-state retailers, would only have access to maybe 20% of all the wines available in the United States. Now, when you consider all the information that's online and when you consider the diversity of, of products that are available across the country, um, consumers more and more and more want to have access to those hard to find wines, those wines that they may have read about, 
um, ones that they've had while at dinner, maybe in another state, but the chances are good. They can't find it locally. Now, the consumer in any given state, if they want a domestic wine, they can probably call the winery or they can go online to the winery's website and see if it's available. But what about imported wines? The only people in the United States who sell imported wines are retailers. There are far more um, imported wines that are approved for sale in the United States in a given year than there are domestic wines. So there's a lot of good reasons why consumers would and actually do support uh, more liberalized wine shipping laws. It's all about access. It's not about price. It never has been about price for the people who buy online. It's always been about access. And so for those of, uh, those of our listeners who are um, interested in perhaps uh, getting involved or at least, you know, making their voice heard, what are, what are some things that people can do? I mean, obviously you mentioned there are some pending lawsuits, probably unless people happen to want to do some pro bono legal work, not something they can necessarily help with. But in general, what can people do, especially if they're in one of the 35 states we mentioned where it's not currently legal to get wine shipped from an out-of-state retailer? You know, the problem is this, unless there's actually a bill um, in their state, um, that has a chance of getting a hearing or a chance of actually going to the floor of the legislature in that state, the most that a consumer in, in any given state can do is pick up the phone or get in front of their computer and contact their representative. And the fact of the matter is it's easy to do and it's a really short email. And the email goes like Dear, this, Dear Representative Smith, it turns out that the laws of this state don't allow me to have wine shipped to me from an out-of-state retailer. Please change that. <laughs> Sign your friend, the consumer. Um, and literally, it, it would take 30 seconds to do that. And so in lieu of there being a bill in that state um, that you can actually reference, um, it's best for for the consumer to pick up the phone or pick up the um, uh, the keyboard and, and reach out. And then um, you mentioned that you have uh, you, you're going to find out if a, if a current appeal is going to end up in front of the, the Supreme Court uh, in October at some point, presumably. What is there is is it i know you probably can't speak too much about a, a pending case to to some extent but but is the idea that eventually that is there a decision that the supreme court could render that would um sort of uh, alleviate the need to go through each individual state or is it going to be a state by state battle no matter what well first of all i can talk about that case as much as i want till i'm blue in the face okay. um, and i'm always happy to so uh, what the Supreme, this case specifically asks whether or not a state can allow its own retailers uh, to ship wine to residents in the state, but ban out-of-state retailers um, from doing the same. It's essentially a mirror of the Granholm case from 2005, except it applies to retailers. So it is, there's a small chance the Supreme Court will take that case. And if it does, and if it rules in our favor, then states will no longer be able to ban out-of-state retailers from shipping in if they allow their in-state retailers to do the shipping. Once you have that sort of a ruling, there will be some states, probably a small group of states, who will immediately change their laws. And they'll make sure that there's a tax structure in place that requires out-of-state retailers to get a license and to pay taxes to the state on the wines they ship in there. There will be other states that say, screw you, we're just going to keep our law here until we're forced to. In those cases, you end up suing them, right? And it's a ridiculous process because everyone knows how this is going to go. Um, but they spend taxpayers' money um, to defend the law, and they lose, and they're forced to open up. Even when they're forced to open up, you still have to go through a legislative process. And you have to stay on top of that because you'll end up with somebody you know, submitting a bill 
that says that an out-of-state retailer may ship um, three bottles of wine to an individual annually. And so you got to have your lobbyists there and you got to make sure that a ridiculous bill like that isn't um, isn't put in place or they might put a bill in place that says out-of-state retailers have to pay excise taxes to the state. Well, no in-state retailers ever pay excise taxes. Those are paid by the producer. So you have to make sure you're there to fight back on that. Um, and there's any number of ways that um, wholesalers in a given state can influence legislation to make it as restrictive as possible while still allowing shipping. So it'll be a process. Um, if we get a good ruling, if they take the case and we get a good ruling, chances are low that they'll take the case. But we had some encouraging news recently that suggested there that the court, or at least somebody on the court, is very interested in the case. Oh, interesting. You know, Michigan, this case is against Michigan. And when we appealed to the Supreme Court, um, asking them to take the case, the state of Michigan, um, they didn't even submit a brief saying, no, this is why you should not take this case, court. They didn't even submit a brief. They they waived their right to do so, as did the wholesalers, who are also co-defendants in this case. And the court two days ago, I think it was, told the state and told the wholesalers, no, we'd like you to submit a brief, please, which tells us that at least one person on the court, one member, one justice on the court, is interested enough in this case to make sure that the, uh, that the state is doing some briefing. So that's good news. Cool. Well, we will, uh, of course, be following that and uh, all these other efforts to uh, liberalize these shipping laws um, over the course of the rest of uh, well, the year and, and going into 2021. Tom, I want to thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, always super interesting to to kind of look at how this struggle for greater consumer access is going uh, because it's, you know, it's pretty... It's pretty rough if you want to buy wine online. I'm in Washington State, as you all heard at the top, and uh, not that it comes up often, but I'm in a state where you can't, I can't get wine from an out-of-state retailer, and it definitely curtails my access at times, which uh, which sucks. Well, again, thanks for having me on, and we will continue to fight the good fight just for you, Zach. <laughs> Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and hosted by Zach Jabal, Erica Ducey, and me, Adam Teeter. Our engineer is Nick Patry and Keith Beavers. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my Vine Pair co-founder, Josh Mallon, and the rest of the Vine Pair team for their support. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again right here next week.